Hello and welcome to Tailoring It podcast number 10. Sunshine, in Plymouth, in April, never. Well actually there was sunshine in April in Plymouth and it was all at the doing of Steve Wheeler, the conference organiser for Plymouth eLearning Conference 2011 or PELC11 as the hashtag became known. Steve had promised us all uh, during his lead up to the conference that he had got everything booked including the good weather and he certainly didn't let us down because for the, the day and a half, two days that I was there it was gleaming sunshine and if anything it was a bit of a shame to be indoors at the conference. Um, rather than outside enjoying the sun. So I went down to the conference, I met a couple of people down there um, who I've invited to take part in this podcast. Nick Laycock unfortunately is unable to take part today, he's in the middle of a house move that has uh, taken slightly longer than expected. So Nick, if you're listening to this, hope the house move is going well, hope it's all finished and you've got the boxes unpacked and hopefully hear from you in the next podcast. But I also met up with Erica Neve who I met very briefly at the Learning Technologies Conference 2011 and Erica's joining us today. Hello, Erica. Hello. How are you? I'm not too bad at all, thank you. I'm very well. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it was it was lovely weather in Plymouth, wasn't it? But unfortunately, we were inside. It was scorching. And in fact, as we've just had this conversation before we, we started recording this, it's actually gleaming sunshine now and we're both still sat inside, you know, undertaking this podcast. So hopefully we'll be able to get this podcast done and get back to enjoying the sunshine. Oh, yes, definitely. So Erica, people that are listening to this have come across it because it's set on my blog, so there's a fairly good chance that they know who I am and what it is that I do um, and, and you know the organisation that I work in, but there's a chance that perhaps people, this is the first time that they've come across you, so I just wondered if you'd do us the honours and perhaps introduce yourself, what it is that you do, organisations you're involved in, etc. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm America, obviously, and I'm the Innovation Development Manager for the Royal Artillery Centre for Personal Development. A little bit of a mouthful there. And my job is a new role for the Royal Artillery, and it's to investigate and implement the use of technology, really, to support the teaching and learning of soldiers wherever and whenever they wish to learn. So, you know, really broad and really specifically looking at enabling soldiers to continue to learn whilst they're on operations. So quite a unique role and very interesting. It certainly sounds it and, it, and I, I sort of gravitated towards you at PELP because I'd found out who you were as a result of learning technologies and being ex-forces myself, being ex-military, being ex-three-para, um, it was very interesting to hear what you said then to enable the soldiers to continue learning when they were on operations. Now I only left in 2006, so you know quite recently in the big scheme of things, but the opportunities and the technology that the forces were using then, either back in the UK or Germany in their peacetime roles, or certainly when they deployed overseas on large exercises and indeed operations, was very, very, very limiting. And, and certainly, you know, the opportunities to actually undertake additional training and, and continue their training whilst on ops was just unheard of. So you know, it's quite interesting to hear that you're in a role that's actually looking at, at moving that forward. And I imagine it's bringing some uh, some unique challenges that most organisations in the UK don't have to contend with. Yes, definitely. Definitely certain security aspects because we were really looking into using the soldiers' own devices, their mobiles. Um, and we're using a lot of... Um, last year, we rolled out a project using iPads. Um, And there are considerations, definitely when they're on operations with, um, you know, uh, identifying the location of the soldier and things like that. But we're looking at addressing them at the way we're looking at apps, web-based apps and things like that, that 
act like native apps when we need them to and things like that. So we are, we've got some challenges, but we're definitely, definitely trying to address them and still make it as accessible as possible for the soldiers. Good. So you've you've got two you've got two uh, two masters to please really the the MOD and, and GCHQ security I imagine and also the, yes. the soldiers themselves. Yes, and the soldiers are very very keen to start using their mobiles to um, learn. We've done quite extensive research, uh, some research done last year before I joined the Royal Artillery, which is Pan Army. Um, interviewed 8,000 soldiers, of which 77% had smartphones, and that was a year ago, and that figure's gone up since then. Um, so that was very interesting. And research this year has shown that 100% of the soldiers which I interviewed, much smaller sample because it's only me, yeah. um, had smartphones, and they all had learning apps on their smartphones already, which was very interesting to me because previous research I had done with young people didn't show them using learning apps as much, more gaying apps such as Angry Bird and your Facebooks and things like that. Well, that's that's interesting that you, you mentioned, you, you specifically said learning app, apps then, and I just wondered, yes. did, did the soldiers recognise them as learning apps or through your questioning of them, did you actually, because I mean Skype, you know, Skype is a learning app depending on how you use it. You could argue that Facebook is a learning app depending on how you use it. So were the soldiers overtly conscious that they had learning apps on their phone or was it something that they had because it helped them do something a bit more efficiently? Um, they they called them learning apps themselves or they called them something to help them learn. Yeah. For example, really broad. So they, they probably wouldn't consider... Um, if you ask them what a learning app was, they wouldn't consider at the moment maybe you know Facebook or um, Skype as a learning app, even though, as you said, it can be used to enhance learning. Um, they had a variety of things from um, a music theory app to learning to play the guitar to learning how to do new fitness regimes, learning a language, all sorts of things like that, which for them was learning yeah. um, in a traditional sense, um, which they'd actively chosen to do themselves, per personally develop themselves without any pushing from anybody else. So they were, they were using their phones in a slightly different way from how I'd seen them use it previously. They were expanding their use of them. So that was quite interesting for me. That's, I mean, and it, it certainly was for me. And actually, as we're having this conversation, I keep having to remember we're meant to be discussing Pelk 11, but yeah. um, I think this is I think this is another podcast in itself, actually, which it, uh, I'd like to approach you with at a later date. So you've explained who you are and the organisation that you work for. People know who I am, the organisation that I work for. Yet we both attended the Plymouth e Learning Conference. Now, I know in Steve's marketing literature, He's very clear that it's not just a conference for those that work in the education sector. In fact, I think he explicitly mentions the armed forces in his marketing literature and also mentions industry or businesses and organisations. However, I know that from the delegates that were there, there were only three or four people from outside what I would call the, you know, the education sector. And you and I were two of them and Nick and another lady uh, were two others. So given that this tends to focus or, or the it's suggested that the focus of this is on education why was it that you went along given that you work within you know within the military um a couple of reasons um i'd seen steve wheeler at the learning technologies conference um i looked at the agenda and i really liked the focus on the social media and the mobile learning um which is a really important area we're looking into in the royal artillery 
I did hope that there would be more representatives from the forces. I thought the Navy would be there, for example, because I know Steve Wheeler's working with the Navy. Well, um, Steve's actually said the last couple of years there have been a couple of naval officers down there. So, you know, it's probably a fair assumption to have made that they might have been there again this year. Yes, I mean, it's probably down to funding. I know there's, it's very difficult for um, anybody to spend funding on things like this at the moment within the um, MOD. So that might have been a reason why they couldn't attend. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was hoping to see more of a broader spectrum um, of people there, but I still got a great deal out of it, especially the social media side of it and the mobile learning side of it, which is one of the reasons, two of the reasons I wanted to attend. Okay. I mean, my, my personal reasons for going along was I work within um, an organisation. I work within a corporate. I work within a business whose, whose prime goal is to make money for its shareholders. And we do that by, uh, by manufacturing a product and then, and then selling that product to be used within a, a, the fuel chain, the nuclear fuel chain. I went along because over the past 12 to 18 months and the growing interest that I've got in, in, using, social, uh, sorry, in using learning technologies, is more and the more and more research I do into it, the more and more I'm led towards looking at uh, or being led to schools and colleges and institutes that have really, in my opinion, got their heads screwed on and really have a clear vision about how to use these technologies to help their learners and their facilitators solve problems. And the more and more I research it, the more and more I come to realise that the area in which I operate but also the area in which my industry operates and the area in which many, many, many businesses and corporates and, and processes operate, there's a huge, what I keep calling a disconnect between the way that, that modern learners are learning to learn in their compulsory and post-compulsory education and the way in which businesses and organisations and industry are allowing them to continue that learning. And for me, there seems to be a huge bump in the road between leaving their education and starting in a business, I feel that many people are going to have a you know a bit of a you know a bit of a bumpy journey when they first start due to what I consider to be the, this sort of lack of progress and vision in using learning technologies within business and corporate. So that was my reason for going along. I already had that gut feeling. In fact it was slightly more than a gut feeling, but I went along just to confirm that that my my gut feeling was actually well founded and I found unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it that that was actually the case there is a you know I perceive there is a real disconnect however I don't think that disconnect spreads everywhere because you know if I just listen back a few minutes to what you're saying about what the army do in particular the Royal Artillery are doing for me there's a great example whereby actually an industry or a sector that many consider to be old-fashioned in their approach in many things that they do are actually, you know, they're right up there and they're, they're leading probably many formal businesses. Hmm, yes, I mean, I do, I think there is a gap, as you said, but maybe that will only start to become apparent in the next few years, because I think it is only in the last very, very, very recently. I know um, a couple of years ago when we rolled out the creative diploma, for example, with it, the 14 to 19, um, qualifications we started using a lot of social media there we started using a lot of different types of learning we created online learning environments personal learning environments using all sorts of things like ning and um you know youtube channels things like that yeah but that's only we were quite forward thinking when we started doing that 
a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago. Um, I think learners are just coming out of school, coming out of college and maybe not even out of university yet that have had that learning, total learning experience using all these different tools um, and really, really being interactive and really taking responsibility for their own learning as much as the, the teacher facilitating it. Yeah. So I think it might not impact what industry will start, you know, other industries will have to start looking at it. But I think they're only start seeing how it's not it's not the right way of learning that they wish to their training that they're giving isn't how their learners like to learn or be trained it yeah. will only start to occur probably now from now onwards so they are going to have to start thinking about it yeah and, and you know i hope that this this podcast is obviously picked up by whoever wherever and that you know if not if nothing else that that triggers a thought process in somebody to consider about whether the you know the tools and the activities and the learning interventions that they're offering actually truly match those activities and the way that they've been delivered in the formal education sector. Uh, I took a lot away from uh, from Plymouth, you know, the, the weather was one thing, the company was another, but you know, from the agenda itself, what was your particular highlight that you took away from it? Um, there were several things, I mean I got a great deal out of um, the mobile con mobile considerations uh, session with Zach Menza and Doug Belshaw, I think yes, it was. Yes, I was in that one, yeah. Yeah, that was good. And followed by the mobile app session with Mark Power. That was good for me from the point of view. It really focused on um, web apps. And it looked at, um, it was reassuring from our perspective because we're looking at going down the web apps route where perhaps a lot of people are trying to be more conservative and still consider that maybe we need to use a native app or a device, you know, a device-centric app for, uh, with a lot of focus on apples, for example, previously in Royal Artillery. So to really um, get involved in a session about mobile apps, about HTML5, and all those kind of things was very useful from my point of view to reassure me and reassure the people, you know, to go back to the people that. I was working with and say actually there's a lot of other people thinking like this as well we're not sort of jumping ahead of the guns sort yeah of thing. Facebook um, numbers yeah so that, yeah <laughs> and it, that that workshop for example was quite interactive so that was um a useful workshop because we got to think about the apps that we develop and we talked about them and there was a lot of group interaction within the session which um it was really good to hear what other people were thinking of doing and what they were incorporating the social media side of things and where we're looking at creating a real self-authoring element, for example. Oh, right. We're even, we're let, we're even let soldiers um, self-author an app to go on to the, to the, there's going to be an army app store, for example. And then the soldiers begin to vote and rate those apps. So Brilliant. You, really, you really develop learners taking ownership for the quality assurance and the type of type of learning apps that, they, that they're using. I mean, that just sounds like utopia. You've got user-generated content. You've got user-generated content that's being pushed out um, army-wide to be used on mobile devices. And as you've just said, the, the QA around that actually sit not with you know, some distal organisation or body or council that's pub that might well be disconnected from the actual guys on the ground, but actually being reviewed by their peers. You know, it, it sounds the absolute perfect mixture so far. Yeah, I mean, there, there could be a lot of issues with that, but that's the way we're, <laughs> we're trying to go to really um, change the responsibility and then give responsibility back to the soldiers and really involve them in every step of the process. But that's, yeah, a utopian view of where we'd like yeah. to be. 
Yeah. What did you think of the John Davitt keynote speech? I, I had to, if you remember, I actually had to leave early from Pelk because I was attending, I was co-facilitating an e-learning network event the next day, so I actually had to leave early. That was a shame. I mean, he used one thing I liked about his keynote. Was he used the tribal learning um, software. It was called Learning Score. Have you seen that before? I have. Is it is it almost like um, almost like a, a video editing type suite where you've got bars on top of one another and you plan yeah. your session in them? I have seen it. Yes. Yeah. It was a long time ago, but I have seen it. Yeah, I mean, he used that within his keynote, and um, I really liked it. I mean, I don't know how much how, how much face-to-face -face teaching time you have in your organisation, if any, but I liked the way um, you could, if you chose to use it that way, you could include your learners in setting, actually, actually creating the learning score for the session and setting the aims and objectives and then play it out with them, or which is what he did kind of throughout his keynote. But at the same time, it was a very sort of organic process to developing your session plans, much more interactive than your generic session plan template yeah. that you fill in, and yeah. perhaps even cut and paste from previous ones. Well, we've all so, done, um, I was going to say we've all done that, but I'll only speak for myself. I know I've certainly done that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, don't, I, I really liked his keynote. I thought that was, um, he, he showed a nice bit of interaction with his keynote as well, using that software throughout the session. Yeah, I particularly like it when a facilitator, wherever it's at, actually uses the tool itself to facilitate what, you know, the ethos that they're trying to bring about, it actually uses the technology to promote the technology. I particularly like it when people do that. And often it can be quite risky, but um, I think when it pays off, you know, it really does have a huge impact, as it obviously has done on you. And I'm sure many other people that attended that, that keynote session. Yeah, it was nice. It was a nice. It was uh, nice to see how the session flowed. It really gave it, as you said, it is like a video editing bit of software, so you see the journey of the session. Yeah, yeah. So it was very nice. My particular highlights were um, th there were two really. One was Stephen Heppel's keynote, and that appealed to me for two reasons. One is because I've got a very young son. He's just coming up to three years old, and obviously he's not at school yet, but he will be at school at some point, and. Um, it almost gave me that warm, fuzzy feeling that there's, there's a chance, albeit a slim one, but there's a chance that he could well end up in an educational establishment that's thinking along the same lines as Stephen Heppel. So that, that was really good to see, you know, because the only, the only comparison I've got to schooling is what I took place in during the 80s up, in, up until around 1990. So that's my only experience of schooling. And um, it was interesting to see that somebody out there, and I know that Stephen's not the only one, has got a very different vision to how schools can look and how they can feel. And I also particularly like Matt Lingard's session, um, which was on uh, writing for the web. And Matt actually started the session off saying something along the lines of he wasn't sure if his session would actually be accepted or he wasn't sure whether his session actually really fitted with with the uh, the actual with the conference programme as such. But I'm really pleased it did get accepted because if for no other reason, on a very selfish perspective, I write a fair bit for the web, you know, I've got my own blog and I regularly post on there and there was some really, really useful tips and tricks and it was very interactive, like, you know, you said the session that you enjoyed was very interactive with, I think, Matt Power and maybe James Clay um, and it just really, sort of really gave me some good points to take away and think about the way that I write for the web, whether it's from our formal e-learning, whether it's from my blog um, and one of the key, the key things that I've actually taken away to, to start doing already is I'm actually going to um, 
reconstitute some of Matt's content because he very kindly put it out on a Creative Commons uh, Creative Commons license. I'm actually going to repurpose some of that into a webinar and actually deliver a webinar for some of our internal intranet authors. We've probably got about 30 or 40 around the site and actually give them some ideas about going back to look at the content they've already produced and thinking about whether it really fits in with, with good practice. And also, if you create any content in the future, think about whether it fits in with good practice. So they were my, they were my two highlights, really. Yeah, I would have liked to have attended that session. Do you know, are they available online through, um, the, through Plymouth University website? It wasn't recorded, Matt's session, but he did put the, um, he did put the notes up. I think they went on SlideShare. Have a look on there. So perhaps if you follow Matt on, if you look for Matt on Twitter and then perhaps have, you know, dig through his profile and find his slide share, I'm absolutely convinced. In fact, I know he's put them up because I've looked at them. I just can't remember whether it was on SlideShare or some other sort of community sharing um, platform. Yes, yeah, so I would love to have attended that session, but I think there was something that I needed to attend to. That would have been probably more for my own personal interests well, for attending that session. I think you're on the mobile apps one because Nick Laycock went in with you, yeah. I think. So I think yes. that's where you were when I was in there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we've already spoken about what it is that I've been able to take away and start using immediately, which was the, you know, the, the writing for the web. Am I right in saying that your your quick win, your immediate takeaway, was the, um, the 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 content that dealt with um, writing apps and producing apps, or was there something else that you've also been able to take away and start putting into practice? You know, even in the two weeks since Pelk. Yes, I mean we're looking into the um, whole army are looking into Moodle as their VLE at the moment, um, but we're looking into extending that and really creating a personal learning network as well. So the session on sort of personal learning networks and even I think that also incorporated the session about webinars and things like that. Yeah. So um, we we've already implemented within the um, within our within our employee basis so the Royal Artillery Centre for Personal Development teachers trainers everything like that we've started a Yammer which was uh, it's just getting off the ground some people didn't know what it was at all but it was very interesting because everybody everybody responded to the invite was like, what's this what's this this sounds really good we can we can you know we can talk to each other we've got for example 12 learning centers in um 14 regiments we've got 14 regiments and there's 12 learning centers some regiments are joined together so right. it was really good for the learning center managers and the teacher trainers in that because they could be in germany ireland obviously all over the uk yeah so um, having something like Yammer, because we don't have a VLE at the moment, um, or any network, really a network for any of our learning centres because of certain other aspects of security and all sorts of things like that. So starting Yammer to really engage the tutors with talking to each other, um, starting conversations, learning conversations, thinking about things like, you know, a personal learning at, uh, network, thinking about starting Twitter, going onto Twitter, that's what we could start today, just something we could get off the ground, just get thought yeah, yeah. it was interesting, not sending an email, actually coming to my office and saying, what's this a meeting, can we have an all staff meeting and discuss it, so that was, that was very good, so we've started that already, and the teacher training team um, are particularly interested in taking personal learning networks further, with the soldiers that they start initial teacher training with because they have 
five-day face-to-face course and six months to finish their portfolios. So they need really an online interactive hub to continue to communicate with their fellow peers that have done the course with them, with previous um, learners that have taken um, Petals, Kettles and Dettles, which is the initial teacher training qualifications, and with the tutors. Um, But obviously it has to be an online community because once they've done the five-day course, they could be in end. They're not from the same regiments. They're from all over the place. So they're going back to their regiments. They might go on tour. They could be anywhere. So they're really keen to get something like this going. Even if we start with Yammer or, or develop a, a VLE with um, web conferencing for tutorials, all sorts of things like that. That's the next stage. We're going to start with something that we can get going with straight away now. So that's what I took away, really. I mean, that sounds like a, a, a fantastic starting point. And to have, to have already had the success with that in only the, the two to three weeks since since Pelka, I think is an outstanding achievement. And I hope that's just the, uh, the start of it. What I'm actually going to put in the show notes, Eric, I don't know if you're, if you're a member of this or aware of this, but um, I'm sure you're aware of Jane Hart. Yes. Uh, Jane's set up only in the last, I would say, six to eight weeks, um, a community in Yammer called Social Learning Community. Oh, I think I might have joined that about three days uh, ago or been invited to yeah, join it. I mean, if, I mean, the advice I would give is, is join it yourself, have a look round, because I think not only... Again, it's another example of using the tool or using the approach to sell the approach. So not only is it a really good place to discuss uh, the use of social learning and and different platforms and challenges and so on and so forth, but it's a brilliant example of how to use Yammer. So it's a two-for-one for for me. It's a a bit of a two-for-one offer. But what you might also want to consider is not only having a, you know, joining that yourself, but all of the people within your community consider whether they might join it because although your community is obviously doing well and it's growing it's still you know it's obviously still in its infancy whereas James has got several you know several hundred I think it's over 500 may even be more than that now members of that community and they're also all working in different environments in different industries with different challenges so you could take a real sort of meta course approach and, and perhaps invite your your colleagues to join that community in Yammer as well Yes, I think that would be very, very useful. And there'd be a few key people that would, you could even have sort of super Yammer experts within within an organisation. I can think of a few key people in my organisation, like um, the, the teacher training manager, um, the marketing person who's very forward thinking, our chief executive, people like that could really, really become sort of, you know, su- even subject matter experts yeah. of that particular yeah. area to help deploy it. And I also think the fact that because it's it's Yammer as well, you're not asking them to learn another tool to learn how to use Yammer. They're actually, it's a tool they're already familiar with and they might actually see it being used in a way that they'd not considered being used themselves. So uh, I've dropped the I've dropped the link into the text chat and I'll also put it in the show notes for anybody that's listening that's interested in that community as well. Yeah, that would be brilliant. So you've mentioned Moodle, we've mentioned writing for the web and, and the mobile web apps and so on and so forth. So it sounds like we've both got enough on our plate following uh, Pelk 11 to be getting on within the near future. Um, what are your thoughts about Pelk 12? Is it something that, you know, you mentioned budgeting, obviously our budgets are a tightly controlled thing at the moment. Is it something that you would look to go to yourself in the future, agenda permitting, or you know, would you recommend others to have a look at Pelk? I think it's definitely worth going because it's um, a really good opportunity to you know meet others, network, 
and really have a look at what's happening with technology and learning. I found um, because it was focused at kind of a secondary education, further education and HE, um, it wasn't too academic either. So not too threatening if you're not from an HE environment, which some, um, some events can be. Um, so you had lots of chances to ask questions and discuss ideas. And you could, as, as, as we both know, you could do that verbally or by a via Twitter if you didn't have the confidence to put your hand up or anything. So I think it's definitely worthwhile going. Um, but yeah, I would like to see a broader spectrum of people attending. Yeah, and that, that was certainly a, a, um, something that I picked up. I've already mentioned about the, the relatively low number of people from a non-education sector. And I mentioned this to Steve. Um, and he also would, would love to see um, people from, you know, from other organisations, from outside the education sector, from businesses, employers, the workplace, so on and so forth. Um, and I, I think it's something that, you know, I hope that this podcast and our conversation and, and the conversations I'm sure will ensue from this, that that can help people to take a look at perhaps another conference, not an expensive conference. I think it was less than £200 for the, for the three days. Um, obviously, you know everything comes at a cost in terms of if you're off work, then you're not doing your job, and there's travel expenses. But not one of the most expensive conferences that I've ever attended. And you know, like you, I certainly plan to be there next year, and hope that we can see a few other faces from you know the wider learning community being there as well. Yes, I mean the other thing I, I, I thought I'd point out, I, I liked the fact they had young learners there as well. I think they could have had some older learners, like FEHE and maybe work-based learners there, but I liked the fact they um, brought children into that environment and children presented yeah, as well really about their ideas. That was very good. That was absolutely outstanding and, uh, and uh, a really, I don't think it's the first time he's done this, but it's the first time I've seen it and um, you know, it really had an impact and it really made me reflect yeah. upon this disconnect. If the kids at that age already get it, we're really in trouble 20, 15, 20 years down the line when they enter the workplace. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was, um, and that would have been good if there'd been more um, private sector representatives in the audience. Yeah. So I think you should keep that focus on having learners talking about learning of every age group, but make sure the audience is wider so the impact is yes, greater. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good point. And um, one that one that was I probably hadn't considered as openly as you've just put it there. So thank you for that. Erica, we're about to sort of wrap up here. Is there anything else that you want to add relating to Pelf? No, it was a great event and I'll definitely be coming next Me year. Me too. Okay. If I don't see you before, I'll see you there next year. Brilliant. Okay. okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.